Well, I invite you this morning uh, to grab the insert from your bulletin once again and uh, get ready to follow along with me as we turn once again this morning to the book of Proverbs. For those of you who have been here for a while, we turn for the 11th time, it's hard to believe, but for the 11th time, uh, we turn to this book of wisdom. And I think many of you who have been here, uh, certainly those of you who know God's Word, know that 11 weeks uh, is hardly sufficient for exhausting the teaching and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. We could spend uh, more than 11 weeks, uh, more than another 11 weeks, Uh, in this great book of wisdom. But with that said, we have indeed covered a lot of ground over this summer study. We have uh, heard from the Lord. God has spoken to us good, practical wisdom into our homes, into our friendships, our relationships, into our speech, and yes, even into our bank accounts. God has spoken. So we'll remain one more week here in this book, and then next week we will uh, move on. We will jump back into our continued study of the book of Acts, which is where we were before we began uh, this summer study. But before we go there, uh, I want to end this study of Proverbs, and I can't think of a better subject, a better topic, a better collection of Proverbs for us to end upon. Because the subject that we come today is a subject of fundamental importance for a follower of Christ, for the life of God's people. It's a subject that we ought to return to again and again, and I probably say that at a, during a lot of sermons, but I really mean it this time. The issue is pride. The issue is pride. For those of you who know and love the Bible, you know that the Bible speaks a lot about pride. Today we're just going to talk a little bit about some of what the Bible says of pride, specifically in the book of Proverbs. So follow along with me if you would in your insert. Uh, You see those Proverbs listed before you. I'm going to read all of them together this morning, one after another and, uh, and then we will turn and give thanks to the Lord for his word. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. By insolence comes nothing but strife. 
but with those who take advice is wisdom. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Some of you may be aware of this, but every year the Oxford University Press, uh, the Oxford University Press, which uh, publishes the Oxford English Dictionary, declares a certain word the word of the year. It's a word that uh, they have deemed, this team of scholars and linguists, uh, it's a word that they have deemed has gained prominence in usage during that particular year. Some words from past years have included the word podcast, the word unfriend, and the word repudiate. But it's last, word, last year's word, the word of the year from 2013, uh, that I want us to think about this morning as we get going on this issue of pride. Anyone want to take a guess at what the word of the year in 2013, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, was? Selfie. Very good. It was the word selfie. Now I suspect there's some of us in here and I won't make you raise your hand, who maybe don't know what a selfie is. So let me explain. A selfie is simply a self-portrait photograph. And it's typically one that's taken with a handheld camera or in our day and age, a smartphone. In reality, selfies, as we now call them, are nothing new. You probably didn't know this, but the first selfie was thought to have been taken in 1839 by Robert Cornelius in the back of his family shop in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Of course, he didn't hold out a camera. But it's our current day and age. It's the proliferation of smartphones and it's the the distribution of images through social media that means that we are flooded with such images. We are flooded with selfies. Now, I don't mean, I don't want to hammer selfies this morning. Maybe just a little bit. All selfies are not wrong. I'm not opposed to all selfies. But it's worth asking What is this phenomenon in our culture say about us as a people? If you Google selfie culture, you will get article after article, rumination after rumination about what this means for our culture. I do think it means something, but it's nothing new. The bottom line is that we all, we all, like to put ourselves on center stage. We all like to be on center stage, to one degree or another. We are all sinfully prideful people. As we meditate on these Proverbs, I know that's a lot to digest this morning as we walk through all those Proverbs. I want us to think about three things. I want us to think and meditate and be changed by three things from God's Word this morning. 
And the first one is this. Pride, pride says, it's all about me. Pride says, it's all about me. Let's start this morning for just a minute by thinking about and unpacking what exactly pride is. And as we do that, I do that for the hope that all of you in this room will realize, if you don't acknowledge it already, that to one degree or another, pride is your problem. It's my problem, and it's your problem. For at the heart of all sin is a measure of pride. And at the heart of pride is an idolatry or a glorification of self. We talk at times in our culture as if we have a self-esteem problem. But the fact of the matter is, we don't. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And when it comes right down to it, we love ourselves. We don't like to say it or hear it that starkly. I know that's uncomfortable. But the fact of the matter is, that love of self manifests itself in so many ways in our lives. In the way that we treat one another, in the way that we promote ourselves, in the way that we relate to our God, even in the way that we receive criticism from others. It's exactly those categories that I want to look at this morning for just a few minutes. And I think the Proverbs address it, address some of these things for us. Pride says it's all about me. Because first of all, pride literally displays the desire to be higher than others. To be higher than others. That Proverbs that I read, 16.18. No, I guess I didn't read 16.18, did I? Yes, I did. Pride goes before destruction. We often remember that, that uh, proverb as pride comes before the fall and a haughty spirit before a fall. That word translated as haughty, it comes from the root word that means to be raised up, to be above. And it's a good reminder for us that pride is not a even though it's an issue of the heart, it's not a, a solitary thing. It's not a solitary sin. Pride needs other people. C.S. Lewis has a good chapter on pride, and he said pride gets no pleasure out of having something. Pride only has pleasure in having more of it than the next person. Maybe it's an opinion. Maybe it's some kind of knowledge that you've gained. Maybe it's a possession. Whatever it is, our pride makes sure that those around know that we have it. I mean, if you think about your life, as I think about my life, how often do you do things without any concern about whether or not the thing that you're doing gets noticed? I do this all the time. I clean the house for my wife. I do something around the house. She comes home and she doesn't notice oh, I'm going to make sure that she knows what I did. I'm going to make sure she knows how long it took me to do it. And I'm going to say that I did it all for her, but really, I did it for me. 
I did it to promote myself. Pride says it's all about me. Look what I've done. I'm better than you. Even with Anna, maybe I'm subtly saying, you should have done this. But I had to do it. So I'm up here and you're down there. See, in all kinds of ways, we are natural self-promoters with those around us. And we need to see that. We need God's Spirit to examine our lives and, and, and find those places where we promote ourselves and make ourselves higher than those around us. But pride at its heart doesn't just desire to exalt and look down on others. But it's clear from the Bible, it's clear from the book of Proverbs that pride wants to be higher than God himself. Oh, here's where the danger comes. Going back to Proverbs 16, 18, that very familiar one about pride. Not only does that word haughty come from the root meaning to be raised up, giving us a vivid picture of what pride is. But the word pride in that proverb, the first word in that proverb, that is a word that's applied all over the Bible to God. To God Himself, the very same word. Moses sang it, God's people sang it after the Lord had led them through the sea in Exodus 15.7, in the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. Same word, majesty. Isaiah 2.10, the prophet writes, Enter into the rock and hide in the dust before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of His majesty. Same word. Therefore, when our pride shows itself, it's not just a reflection of our heart wanting to look down on others. It's a heart that seeks Maybe not explicitly, but it's a heart that seeks to rob God of His glory. You see, God alone belongs in the heights, if we want to think spatially, if we want to think about being higher than one another. God alone belongs in the heights. I heard one preacher this week call it cosmic plagiarism. That's what we're guilty of. Our pride seeks to take credit for things that aren't ours ultimately to take credit for. Our pride is sometimes the reflection of a heart that says to God that I deserve more recognition, Lord, than You are giving me. God alone deserves the glory. And yet pride makes us glory thieves. Oh, if we go back before the beginning of time, before the beginning of creation, this was the evil one's sin. This was Satan's sin. And he passed that along to our first parents to believe the same lie that they could be God, and now it's part of our DNA. Pride says, it's all about me. Me above you, me above God. Our pride is not only self-promotion, 
but it's also an expression of self-sufficiency. I mean, really, if we're trying to be higher than God, do we really want to be there? One of the applications is I was thinking about my own heart and the pride that dwells there. Real practically, brothers and sisters, pride shows up in how little you pray. Why don't you pray? Because you're prideful. You're self-sufficient. You can do it on your own. It's all about you. Well, there's one more thing under this first point that I think is worth noticing. If you listen again and look at Proverbs 13.10, the last one, by insolence comes nothing but strife. But with those who take advice is wisdom. That word translated here as insolence can also simply be translated arrogance or pride. Putting it right in that subject that we're talking about. And the implications of that verse is the fact that those who struggle with pride, they don't learn. They don't grow. And they don't learn and they don't grow because one filled with pride can't take advice. They don't take criticism well. They can't admit their weaknesses and their failures. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. You don't need to tell me how to do that. See, the heart of pride has this constant drive to prove Really to prove that that we're someone of worth. Pride is not only self-promotion, self-sufficiency, but we could say in some sense that pride is self-justification. We'll return to that in a minute. We want to make ourselves right. Brothers and sisters, we need to begin this morning by simply recognizing what pride is and recognizing that it's our problem. That's the first thing. The second thing I want us to see this morning from this collection of uh, Proverbs is this. Pride produces the opposite of what it aims for. Pride produces the opposite of what it aims for. As we establish that first point, pride shows itself because it wants something for itself. It's all about me, and I want something. What do I want? Well, I want wisdom, or I want riches, or I want honor and reputation. See, but the Bible, the folly of pride, according to the Bible, is that it produces the exact opposite. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 22.4, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. And then Proverbs 29.23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Well, those of you who know me well know that I'm a sports fan. I know that we have a lot of sports fans 
in here. And if you're a sports fan, you know that we live in a world of arrogance in sports. And even in that world, even in that high-profile world of sports, there, there, all, there, there is a line that's crossed. I'm going to get myself in trouble here a little bit. But I can't help but think about the words of our all-pro corner last year. Those of you who maybe aren't sports fans, the reporter Aaron Andrew said at the end of a game last year, a very important game, to Richard Sermon, the final play, take me through it, she says. And he responds, well, I'm the best corner in the game. And when you try me with a sorry receiver, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. I'm sorry, Seattle, but that is pride. And the interesting thing about that statement is that while he said it, no doubt, to exalt himself, in reality, it actually brought him nothing but grief. You know, there was a study, actually a well-known study, written by John Collins, who is a Stanford University business analyst, and he studied the most successful companies and the most successful leaders in our world, and what makes a company go from good to great. And he concluded that great leadership and successful companies are marked by two things in those who run them. Determination and humility. He writes, compared to high-profile leaders with big personalities who make headlines, the good to great leaders seem to have come from Mars. Self-effacing, quiet, reserved, even shy, these leaders are a paradoxical blend of personal humility and professional will. Now, I don't know that John Collins is a believer. I don't think he is. It certainly wasn't a Christian study. But it was. It is. It does illustrate the fact that this is a common, this is a common grace insight about the reality of how the world works. Pride actually produces the opposite of what it aims for. But of course, the Scriptures... The Scriptures make the stakes much, much higher because we're not just concerned. We, as believers, are not just concerned about peer and societal acceptance. We're not just concerned about building great companies. No, this issue of pride and humility is a matter of sin. What does the proverb say? Everyone who is arrogant is an abomination to the Lord. Listen to these words from Isaiah 2. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. All the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And the Bible gives us a picture, a vivid picture of arrogant pride dealt with by our God. It's a character from the book of Daniel, a king, King Nebuchadnezzar. 
Without reviewing his whole story, you can read about it there in Daniel. It all comes to a head in chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar is standing on the roof of his palace and he says this, probably with his hands raised, Is not this the great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? And while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you will be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with a beast of the field, and you shall be made to eat like, gr- eat grass and lie like an ox until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He wills. Pride brings the opposite of what it hoped for. Doesn't bring success. Doesn't bring honor. It only brings Ruin. So the question for us is, okay, how do we avoid it? Well, that brings us to the last thing I want us to see this morning and think about for a moment. The cross of Christ is the only cure for pride. The cross of Christ is the only cure for pride. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to His blood. What beautiful words. What beautiful lyrics that many of you know well from the old hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. They're words that drive us to the remedy for our pride. And a pathway, a true pathway for seeing ourselves in true focus. Don't listen to yourself. Don't listen to the lies of the world. Saturate yourself with God's truth. And what does God say? You are a creature, you are dust, you are clay. Your very breath, your very next heartbeat is a gift from the Most High. You are undeserving of anything. You deserve only His wrath. You see, to natural self-promoting, self-sufficient, self-justifying people, The cross of Jesus Christ reminds us that we aren't supreme in the universe, that we can't make it on our own, and that we can't make ourselves right. God the Father sent His Son to assume the nature of a servant and to humble Himself, to humble Himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it's because of that willing humiliation that you and I can choose and strive 
to be humble and fight against pride because this is what a life of wisdom is all about. This is what living in the fear of the Lord is all about. And this is what we are called to be as a people. A people of humility. The old preacher Charles Spurgeon once said that we have nothing to be proud about. He said, not race, not face, not place, and not even grace. Listen to the Lord's words from Isaiah 66 too. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Peter tells the church in 1 Peter 5, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that the proper time He may exalt you. We need to cultivate that kind of humility. And it begins at the cross. It begins with the, the, the one who, it wasn't about him. It wasn't about him, it was about us. It was about his Father's will. C.J. Mahaney wrote an excellent little book on humility. I read it a few years back, and I, I commend it to you. You can borrow it if you want to explore more. But he talks about ways to cultivate humility in our lives. And he ends with some things that I think are, are good. First of all, he says golf a lot. He does. He says that. And I particularly like that encouragement. Of course, he says it in jest, but he says it because of the fact that there's no more humbling game than the game of golf. Just when you think you're the master of the universe, you're not. But he also says, laugh at yourself often. You know, pride encourages our, us to, to take ourselves too seriously. And to forget that we're dust and we're clay and we're weak and we're sinful. And we screw up all the time. And yet we wear these masks with each other as if we don't. Laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously. Cultivate humility in this way. And then the last one, I think, which is particularly powerful. He says, invite and pursue. Not just invite, but pursue correction and criticism in your life. Another author says, my self-perception, this is true of me, probably true of you, I know it's true of you, my self-perception is, as, is as accurate as a carnival mirror. You know those mirrors, kids, that you stand before at the fair, at the carnival, and they make you look all distorted? That's what we see when we look at ourselves. We don't see ourselves clearly, but you see me clearly at times. I see you clearly at times. And that's the strength of the church. That's the strength of the community of believers. And it comes back to a thing I've said over and over again. We need to know each other and be known by one another as we seek to cultivate humility in our lives. Brothers and sisters, as we think about this issue of pride as we think about these Proverbs before us. I want us to leave this place acknowledging 
how easily, really thinking how easily you make things all about you. But as you acknowledge that, recognize God's hatred of pride and the dead end that it really is. And don't despair. Don't lose hope. But in that place of I am a prideful wretch who makes things all about me, God hates that pride. And yet God has sent His Son. God has given His undeserved grace for me that I might be accepted, that I might love as I'm called to love. You see, in a world of selfies, that kind of stance, that kind of behavior stands out. The one who doesn't point to himself points to another. And that's what we want. To the Lord Jesus be the glory. Let's pray. Great and mighty God, we thank You for Your Word and the wisdom that it contains. Father, we acknowledge our need for humility. Maybe there are those here who who need humility in regards to grace. They're trying to clean themselves up to make themselves worthy to be accepted by You. Father, show them. Show them the end of themselves and Your redeeming, saving grace. And others of us struggle with pride in our interactions with each other, in our interactions with co-workers. Lord, may we exude a humility that mirrors and that smells like, as Paul talked about the aroma of Christ, that smells like the Lord Jesus. Father, that's what we desire and we know it begins by looking at You and by remembering what You've done for us. By remembering, Lord Jesus, the humility that You took on. Oh, Father, do this work in us by your Spirit and through your Word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.